0: hello everyone and welcome back to the magic and the moon podcast as always i am your host david and this week i want to talk about um traditional wicca um i'm not really going to explain the differences between like traditional wicca versus like solitary or eclectic wicca because i've talked about that a lot um and don't really have anything else to say about that but um this is my episode in defense of wicca and of course i'm biased because i'm saying this as someone that is a Wiccan, but. Um, there is a trend I've noticed the last few years or so, um, especially in social media spaces of like shitting on Wicca. Um, and when people point out or bring up that, like, Hey, how would you answer um, if I were to say that traditional Wicca, meaning, you know, Gardnerian, Alexandrian, et cetera, is based on in part, outdated and debunked academic books on witchcraft? It's a loaded question and it's a really good question. I think it's a good doorway into a larger conversation about the value of Wicca. And let's talk about it. So first and foremost, just because a text is old, does not render it worthless. And debunked texts should be analyzed for their historical value. The scholarship of today is heavily built upon the backbone of yesterday's information. And traditional Wicca has evolved since its inception. And initiates of the tradition know, we know, (laughs) that the texts that influenced Gerald Gardner, for example, do not represent current scholarship. Um, Very few, if any, traditional Wiccans believe that our tradition is like the Continuation of an ancient witch cult, like Margaret Murray said, for example. So, let's talk about Gerald Gardner, his influences, who they were, and whether they are outdated and debunked. So, it's worth noting that Gardner was influenced by many different writings and many different people. Um, Alistair Crowley in the OTO, The Golden Dawn, The White Goddess by Robert Graves, The Witch Cult in Western Europe by Margaret Murray. The Golden Bow by James Frazier, The Gospel of the Witches by Charles Leland, and The Key of Solomon, of course. So I don't think it's really useful for me to discuss why some of these writings were considered outdated or debunked. Um, there's a lot of scholarship and academic writing that's already been dedicated to that. But um, I will say, research criticisms of these works. Literally just type in on Google the title of the writing or the book, and plus criticisms. Google Scholar for pro tip, but um, in this case, I think it's important to discuss the value of these writings that people say are debunked or that they're outdated, because for something to be debunked, it means that it has to be proven false, uh, or has to be proven to be without evidence or data to make it true. An outdated item is one that's no longer in fashion. So some people might take that to mean no longer a value, but I don't think those things are synonymous. So let's talk about historical fact versus value. Um, Though several of the things I mentioned before have been debunked in terms of facts, they still have value historically. Um, And that value comes from what they represent as products of their time. So the Gospel of the Witches, for example, was written during a time when spiritualism was in its peak. So like eighteen this is ballpark might not be right, but like uh, mid 1800s to early 1900s, maybe like 1850s to 1910s or 20s or so. And this was just before Wicca came on the scene. So people were obsessed with seances, speaking to the dead, channeling that kind of stuff. Um, And that fascination was seen a lot, especially like in middle and upper classes in English speaking countries. So some well-known people from that era would have been the Fox sisters, Blavatsky things like that cultural anthropology also got a big boost in popularity in the late 19th and early 20th centuries so the Gospel of the witches is what Charles Leland thought was a real religious text of Italian witches he thought he was revealing their rituals and spells and stories um, and then near the end of the spiritual not spiritual the the spiritualist religious movement Um the Witch Cult by Margaret Murray and The Golden Bow by James Frazier were both published at that time. So the next few decades to follow were really huge for like anthropology. Um, and this is where like the Egypt craze kind of started to pick up. And that was a big part of defining the early 20th century. Everyone was obsessed with everything ancient Egypt. Um, it influenced architecture, politics, literature, art, entertainment, everything. People were obsessed. And in fact, we know now that the reason why there are so few preserved mummies is because people were buying them, selling them, eating them, um, using them in medicine, because it was just a craze at that time. Um, Egypt was something that just bewitched like an entire generation of people. Um, Scholars everywhere were publishing studies and theories about Egypt And the early 20th century had an infatuation with archaeology and Egyptology. And without substantial evidence to the contrary, scholars like Margaret Murray, like they were able to get away with publishing their theories as facts at that time, because we just did not know that much. So the excitement and the obsession that were going on at that time, kind of overrided the lack of information. So people were buying into what they were saying because there was nothing to really prove them wrong yet. We didn't know, we didn't know. So the people that wrote these works, these authors, they were important people. Um, Charles Leland was an American folklorist. He went to Princeton, you know, he wasn't some nobody with like fraudulent claims. Like he was a very well-to-do, very highly educated man. Um, Robert Graves was a poet and a classist. I Meaning he studied the classics, not that he's a classist, uh, but maybe he was. I don't know. But anyway, he went to Oxford. Um, Margaret Murray was an archaeologist and anthropologist. She went to the University of London. James Fraser was an anthropologist and a folklorist that went to the University of Glasgow. So all, these people were well-educated. They were well-published. They were respected and taken seriously in their academic communities. So just because modern scholarship has, quote, debunked their theories, it doesn't mean that their work means nothing or that it's worthless now. Because the social and academic contributions of these people and their writings are big. And despite the critics disagree with them, their work remains relevant and remains very important. They started the conversations, they prompted better research, and they stirred up an interest in these subjects that used to be very, very off-limits and taboo. So... We can say the same thing about Gerald Gardner Um, when he published The Meaning of Witchcraft in 1959 and uh, Witchcraft Today in 54. Were they poorly written? Yes. Were they poorly researched? Absolutely. Were they totally worthless? No. Um, He was an amateur anthropologist. He traveled the whole world. He was very largely self-taught. And he wrote about what he thought he knew. And his books were a product of his time, his experience, and his self-taught education. There's still things that we can value and gain from his writings, even though they're outdated and they're debunked. So where I'm going with all of this is like, what does all of this say about the validity of Wicca? Um, Particularly the validity of traditional, initiatory, oath-bound, coven-based Wicca, such as Gardnerian Wicca, Alexandrian Wicca, etc.? So the origins of Wicca obviously lie in Gerald Gardner and what he thought he knew at that time. But the tradition has evolved beyond those beginnings, and very few, if any, modern traditional Wiccans today use his writings as anything other than just beautiful works of prose or what scholars thought they knew about witchcraft at that time when they were published, um, so those texts and the validity of those texts does not change the validity of the tradition as a whole or its practices. Um, traditional Wiccans do not claim to be ancient. Um, we certainly don't claim anything from Gardner other than a spiritual lineage, and traditional Wiccan practices don't need to be validated by outsiders for us as initiates to continue practicing them because they are obviously still of great value to us or we wouldn't be doing it, right? So the books that a lot of us use today to learn and that our teachers give us and that we'll give our own students one day, um, they're very different from those that would have been recommended when Gardner was still living. Most initiates today try very, very hard um, to recommend writings that are very well respected and historically accurate. And I think it's worth noting, too, that people should still read the books that are outdated and that are debunked because they're more well-rounded in their knowledge that way. Information that is old is not always bad. And that's important to keep in mind. So keep in mind that um, information changes all the time, especially in scholarship, especially even more so in religious scholarship. So the information that we have today that we hold is true will change in the future. And we're not smarter automatically than we were when Gardner was alive, right? We just have the advantage of all the information that has accumulated since then. So that's important. So continuing this conversation, um, since, I don't know, I'll say at least since maybe the 1970s or so, people have made the argument that Wicca has misrepresented itself and that it's not really old. Um, I think a lot of the blame for that can be put on Gardner or is put on Gardner. Um, he was the world's first modern self identifying public witch. And according to some people, Gerald Gardner made it all up that he was a fraud and that that somehow makes the entire religion of Wicca fake or illegitimate or less real the other forms of witchcraft and of paganism. And while Gardner certainly could have made some things up, um, I think there's a pretty good argument for him being initiated into something in 1939 um, when he allegedly was initiated into the witch cult. But there's nothing actually proving such a thing. And I'm not sure if we'll ever find something that does. Um, It's possible that someone who was there in 1939 might show up one day, although if they're going to do that, they should probably do that quickly, but I don't think that's likely. Um, perhaps even better might be like a ritual transcript that we can date back to the late 30s or like a personal journal or a diary from one of the initiators of Gardner. But until something like that happens, and I'm not sure that it will, we will never know for sure if Gardner was initiated into witchcraft when he said that he was. Um I've seen online a lot of anti-Wiccan sentiment, like I mentioned earlier, and uh, Ronald Hutton, who is an author that I think I would recommend, uh, he wrote Triumph of the Moon. He was essentially guilty um, in some ways for saying that Gardner was fraud, or that, his extension, uh, that by extension, his witchcraft was fraudulent. Um, and that because of Ronald Hutton's claims that there's been a fallout in the perception of Wicca. And I think it's true that triumph of the moon is more so a work of history because Ronald Hutton is a historian. Um, So it's not surprising to me that Hutton believes it's likely that Gardner made this stuff up. Um, But I don't think Ronald Hutton's work really closes the door on the argument that Gardner was initiated into witchcraft. Um, I'm going to read you a quote from Triumph of the Moon. It should be said that there's nothing inherently implausible in Gardner's claim to have been initiated into an existing religion. The account of his earlier life and what is essentially his autobiography is sober and understated. It is striking that he describes a coven composed partly of Rosicrucians and led by a wealthy woman. It is precisely from this more educated esoteric milieu that one would expect a modern pagan revival to commence. That's from Triumph of the Moon by Ronald Hutton, page 207, the 1999 edition. Um, so for me, it's never really mattered that much whether or not Gardner was initiated into witchcraft or not. Because religion um, and spiritual practice, and especially that of witchcraft, is about what works. right? As witches, we use ritual techniques that are successful. Um Witchcraft is about reinvention and creation and experimentation while still respecting our origins and our roots. And where witchcraft comes from is obviously a large part of this conversation, because we're talking about traditional Wicca and its origins and its legitimacy. Um, But when it comes to Wicca, we know where a lot of it comes from. It comes from Freemasonry. It comes from Aleister Crowley and Dion Fortune, grimoire traditions, Margaret Murray, cunning craft, folk magic, the Key of Solomon poetry, even. Um, So we know this because Wiccan magic uses the same language as a lot of these traditions do. So even if Gardner was initiated, and again, personally, I think that he was, whatever he was initiated into wasn't all that old, maybe a few decades back at that point. But that's not really the question. So I think some people think that knowing the origins of these things makes it um, non-mystical. It's demystified, and that means that we shouldn't care anymore, I think is what a lot of people think. I think there are some people that turn their nose up at Wicca because they know, that it, they know about its basic building blocks. Um, but another point to consider is that the building blocks of a lot of other European witchcraft traditions are similar to Wiccan. Uh, to Wicca excuse me if not the same altogether Um, maybe people think witchcraft is more fun if we believe that it goes back to ancient times Um, but I don't think that has to be true I think it's good that what we do is modern in a sense because we don't live in ancient times we live right now Um, but again I I think it's very very likely that Gardner was initiated into some form of witchcraft religion Um, Now, whether or not that resembles the Wicca we know today, we'll probably never know. But even if Gardner somehow just made everything up completely on his own in 1948, the building blocks he used to make it up were old, genuinely old. Um, Freemasonry dates back hundreds of years, and many of its esoteric currents are even older than that. There are spells and cunning craft that go back to pagan antiquity, like genuinely pagan antiquity. And the grimoire traditions go back to at least 1057 CE. So Wicca is very much a part of the Western magical tradition. It didn't just show up fully formed out of nowhere one day. It does have genuine history. It does have genuine um, backing to it. So if Wicca has truly been demystified in the eyes of some people, it's not because we know a lot about its origins. It's because it's successful. Um, Wicca was not originally meant to be practiced in public parks, you know, in the afternoon with a bunch of people. It was meant to be practiced in private with 10 or so people that you knew intimately. Um, and I think some of the mysticism has gotten lost, at least in the public perception of it, because it moved from the home to the park. Um, it's difficult to work magic in a meaningful way with 80 people in a park that you don't know well, especially when we're supposed to be operating in perfect love and perfect trust. So there's nothing wrong with Wicca being practiced in a park in the afternoon. Um, people need a place to start. And I think public ritual can provide a good jumping off point for a lot of people. And when the public ritual is in a safe public place, um, that provides a level of comfort and safety to people that don't know that much about Wicca yet. People want to do a Wiccan style ritual because there's a need for it. And that's a good thing. But I think it does mean that Wiccan can seem demystified. Um, if they believe that the entirety of the experience of Wicca begins and ends with a public ritual in the middle of the day. Um, because that's not true. In my opinion, that's not where that's not the be all end all. Wicca is about experience, and at its core, it's a magical religion. It's a mystery tradition, and while we do know some things about where the rituals come from, they still have to be experienced for them to have any meaning to a person, so if you like broke into my home and stole my book of shadows and read it, it's not really going to amount to anything because there's no context for you to place that in. It's the experience that matters. It's not just reading and thinking. It's doing and experiencing. So when people aren't being exposed to these mystical experiences, that's where you get shitty lo-fi memes about Wicca and people complaining that it lacks substance. Um, So make no mistake, Wicca is about experience. And that experience has worked for millions of people since the 1950s. But Wicca is successful not only because it was the first large-scale modern pagan religion, but also because it's ritual structure works for people. So if you want to feel that mystical feeling in it, talk about your experiences as much as you can and how they've been revelatory and transformative for you. Be accessible. Provide people that are curious about witchcraft with the tools that they need to succeed and to learn more. So do that. (laughs) And if you get a chance to hold a public ritual, make it a damn good one. So I don't think that Ronald Hutton ruined Wicca because those that seek the mysteries genuinely will still find them. Um, That's my take on that. So this has been my episode um, about Wicca, about traditional Wicca, and about the value and the merit of traditional Wicca and how it's still relevant in the modern day, in my opinion. Um, I hope you enjoyed it and that's all I have for you guys this time.